0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. There have been a lot of episodes of the podcast lately, and that's because I have a mountain of content I'm sitting on. So I'm trying to put it out there in a more timely fashion than just simply the once a week. So there is a ton. If this is the first episode you've listened to in a while, you might want to go back a few episodes and check out some of the other ones as well. I've got episodes with Paul Reed Smith up, I've got a fantastic episode with Daniela Gotardo and Gretchen Men where they actually played some music. It was great. And I've got one with my good friend Ryan from Fuzz Rocious. All that has come out in the last like week and a half, plus the one you are hearing right now with a Portland pizza legend. That's right. It's taken this long, but I finally got a pizza legend from the local area on the show, Scott Rivera of Scotty's Pizza Parlor. He makes incredible pies, and he has an extensive background as a musician as well, which I am noticing is a trend with lots of pizza people. Well, well, at least with Portland pizza people, or at least with Portland restaurant Based people. He's got a great story. He makes incredible pies here in Portland. So if you are ever in the area, you definitely need to make sure you stop by Scotty's and get yourself a pie. It will make you happy. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. We get into his musical roots. We talk about how he started his business. We talk about the struggles that pretty much always pop up whenever you're pursuing your passion. I think you're going to enjoy this. So without further ado, let's get into this episode right now. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, a show about gu- guitar stuff. Guitar stuff, maybe? I don't know. I can't talk today. Guitar stuff, occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Wilden. and with me today, I have Scott Rivera of Scotty's Pizza Parlor. This is, uh, this is exciting for me. I've been a fan of this guy's work for a long time, and now... We're here in the Shred Shed, we're going to talk about music, we're going to talk about pizza, and uh, just whatever else comes up. What's up, dude?
1: What's up? It's <laughs> uh, it's really freaking cool to be here in the Shred Shed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that I'm being able to do this in person more now. That was starting to become a thing pre-lockdown. Everything was remote, pretty much. There was a few exceptions to that. Pretty much everything was remote, and then... Uh, I started getting to go do some backstage stuff, and people would come back here as it became more of a thing. And then I was like, oh, this is great. I can do in-persons now. And then, poof, yep. no, no more. End of that. Uh, but, you know, of all the local people, you know, that have come on lately... Uh, you're the second person who also you know, works or owns a restaurant. It's a, there's a food thing going on here. Okay. I'm just bringing the local food people Wait, in. Who was the last? Uh, that was uh, Chef Ricky Bella from Palomar. I missed that one. I uh, love that spot. Yeah, it's a great okay. spot. He's a great dude. Big metalhead. So I'm it goes, go back uh, to it. Yeah. <laughs> you're going <laughs> to like that one. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's good to have you here. There's so much I want to get into. Um, obviously, this is. Pretending or pretends to be a music-based podcast, and uh, <laughs> man, but it's really a pizza podcast. Man. So <laughs> yeah, uh, sounds like it. <laughs> here we are. But um, you know, I you sent me a bunch of stuff from your old band. You sent me a bunch of stuff uh, from some like black metal bands that you worked with, and just I want to get your musical story because I am finding, especially in Portland, and maybe across America or the world, there is this very intense connection between musicians and food. And it isn't just because we need food to survive. It's like people who work in restaurants tend to have some sort of musical connection somewhere. Almost, a, It's almost universal. So I'm curious to see how all this played out for you and, and get your story.
1: Yeah, I've, I've totally seen that connection. Um, I think it's a real thing. Um, for me, it's funny, the first thing that comes to mind as far as connecting music and food is the math side of it, but maybe that's because I'm a baker and I deal with, like, baker's percentages Mm -hmm. and all my dough formulas and stuff. But anyway, here we are. (laughs) Um, Yeah, as far as my music story, um, I think it goes back strongly to both my parents. Um, My mom uh, is this kind of wacky French-Canadian lady who um, actually went to... I It's not Juilliard. One sec. <laughs> <laughs> she went to music school for... Berkeley? Cello. Okay. Um, and was, like, really serious. Um, but it was more under, like, the pressure of her parents, so she Got dropped it. out. Uh, but she kind of had that musical thing. Meanwhile, my dad, his whole life since, like, a kid uh, was a musician and great piano player... And was really deep in the New York like salsa and Latin music scene. I've mm-hmm. um, seen some pictures of your dad, too. He looked yeah. like a
0: stud. <laughs> yeah,
1: great bushy mustache. Yeah. And so he was half Italian and half Puerto Rican. Oh, nice. Uh, so I think that explains the mustache. Yep. And then, you know, uh, he was raised on his Puerto Rican side. and And that's, I think, just that culture is so rich and the music is so strong mm-hmm. um and so yeah i i grew up um with music happening a lot in the house we had like a baby grand piano that had come through generations in my mom's family um and my dad was always gigging and going out and playing in these like big like nine-piece bands with full horn sections and, you know, three or four percussion and so on. Um, And yeah, I think it was just always around. I first started playing. He, like, taught me the Mission Impossible theme on the piano. (laughs) And from there on, it was just like, all right, hold on. You can, like, hear something and recreate it on this instrument, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Um, As I grew up... Uh, I started to just sort of find my way towards instruments that were cooler. Um, (laughs) so started playing guitar and yeah, my dad was just super, super supportive all the way through. He was always, you know, working hard to set me up with the, you know, sickest, whatever guitar or pedal or amp or something, Mm -hmm. um, just really encouraging and, um, We would like do little Garage Band Mm -hmm. recording sessions and just like covering some of my favorite songs at the time. I've got I didn't send you these, but I've got some like Coldplay (laughs) covers. uh, Oh, we got a little Maroon (laughs) Five. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I was about to ask
0: you about what what era this was, but I got a vibe for it now. Oh yeah, yeah. This
1: is strong. Like you know, late '90s, early 2000s. Mm -hmm. I think when I started to get into like recording, and I think that was really exciting for me because suddenly because i did i did play a lot of different instruments and i always wanted to be like my own band so Mm -hmm. i think with recording and tracking it was like cool i can just layer stuff and have fun and um you know meanwhile i was also into like looping pedals and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so um yeah and then you know through high school ended up messing around in a couple of bands and kind of found myself into the, uh, in the local like punk scene in Albuquerque. So I moved away to New Mexico when I was small and I would go back and forth to New York, Mm -hmm. uh, every summer. So by this time, my late teens, I was, uh, in Albuquerque and yeah, just playing like, pop-punk, hardcore. Uh, it's going to be a big difference culturally, Albuquerque and New York City, right? Definitely. <laughs> definitely. I mean, there's a little bit of that Latin connection because there's a lot of, like, really deep history um, in, like, Hispanic culture and Native culture, and it was, like, just cool to be close to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but still very different. Um Yeah. And I think are we good? <laughs> I'm just making sure I forgot to set where I could see the time. <laughs> nice, nice. Um Yeah, so that anyway, I was like in that sort of like 18 to 20 or so when I was like really playing in a lot of bands and recording and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> and so at what point, you know, this is something I also asked Ricky, because he was different scene, different vibe, but like very similar, like Playing in bands, that was like the thing, you know? You work, totally. and then you go play in bands, because that's what you really care about. Yeah. Similarly, that was what I did as well. But at what point, obviously, you developed a serious passion for pizza at some point. <laughs> uh, it's not something you get into by accident, generally speaking. So how did that happen? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it was about
1: leaving New York and being in New Mexico, where... There was pizza, but it was not the same. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was really used to having, like, such easy access to this, like, really good pizza kind of everywhere, everywhere, right? Um, and, you know, when I was younger, under 18, you know, my parents were like flying me back and forth every summer. I'd spend like the whole summer with my dad and just eat all the pizza, all the Chinese <laughs> food, everything like everything New was York. good there, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think by the time I turned 18 and suddenly like was a little more on my own as mm-hmm. far as like when's the next time I'm ever gonna get to New York, um, it started to sink in that, it could be a while before I was able to eat like a decent slice again. This is again, still in New Mexico. This is in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got to figure out how, I think I got to figure out how to make this. Because I'm not going to um, be able
0: to buy it anywhere.
1: No, yet. no. Like there were some places around and, you know, we found the best pizza around, but um, it still wasn't hitting that same
0: like nostalgic mm-hmm. nerve. Um, I understand. I, I've said this on the podcast many times, but... I had some friends go to New York for vacation, and they come back, like, the pizza, the pizza. I'm like, I always heard about the pizza (laughs) culturally. And I was always, like, looking at it, and I didn't fully grasp it at the time. This was, you know, 10, 12, maybe 15 years ago, actually. I didn't really get it. I was like, it's pizza, though. Like, how different can it be? It's pizza. (laughs)
2: Because
0: I'd only had the very mediocre things that were available here at the time. Yeah. Prior to places like yours showing up. So... I didn't understand. <laughs> I went to New York, but I went to New York City, and it was the first slice I had with some random place I did not even remember. I was like, "Oh, I get it. I understand now." Yeah. And I was going in hardcore skeptical. I was like, "Come on, it's, <laughs> it's pizza." And you That's, just got a slice you just got somewhere, a slice, some random place. And yeah. then we went to Joe's shortly thereafter, yeah. and I remember that was like, "Oh," and then just spiraled out of control from there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, so there, good. there's something to it. It's not just I had no nostalgia for it. Right, I didn't yeah, grow up yeah, yeah. with that. I grew up here.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So,
0: it, it 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 hit a button. Yeah, and I was that's when I was like, oh, there's levels to this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there there really is like something
1: um, to that type of pizza, and just I think it's a little bit about like the perspective of like the people making it. In that area, and especially that there's been people doing it for a hundred years or more. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's in the same different. place with the yeah. same oven, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's very different from anything else, but it's interesting to hear that that could hit so hard for you having never been there, mm-hmm. too. So, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah what really started it for me was the, there's a place here in Oregon City, actually, Mi Familia. Oh, I don't know if you've been there or heard I about haven't. it. Yeah. I i got to put well, it on my list. Oh, well, you got to put that on your list. Yeah. And it, it showed up about 15 years ago. Cool. Maybe, maybe a little longer. I'm not sure exactly the timeline. And I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. Let's go. And I go in there and I was, ooh, these are expensive. <laughs> and, uh. We've been—I don't know how many thousands of dollars <laughs> I've spent at that place at this point. It was like obviously it was worth it, and still yeah. continues to be worth it. But that was a light bulb moment for me too. It was like oh, there's oh, this is what it can be. Cool. Like, yeah. So yeah,
1: it's um. It seems so simple and a lot of people take it for granted, Mm -hmm.
0: but yeah, it's pretty special. I've heard that on the podcast. Like, Well, there's no bad pizza. And I was like, there used to be a place in St. John's. (laughs) There was that one. And it was was genuinely terrible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Christmas Eve, 2005. I will never forget. It was the only place open that my dad and I could find at like midnight. Uh, There was a neon sign. Mm -hmm. It said world's best pizza.
2: Where I was kid this? you
1: not. This was in New York, okay, Manhattan, Midtown. I want to say, wow, okay. Um, which any New Yorkers now who've heard me say Midtown are like, oh, well, of course. But um, <laughs> <laughs> now people like to hate on Midtown pizza. Uh, I get it. Um, but yeah, it was so late, and we were, i was so hungry, and I wanted pizza, and I was being that bratty kid, like mm-hmm. I want a slice. And I think I also couldn't understand that maybe. I couldn't get a slice. I was like, "No, like, there's <laughs> we're, a place. We're in Come on, just there's keep driving." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and my dad and I went in, and we, you know, the place was empty. The pizza looked weird, <laughs> and we were like, "Okay, let's let's get a slice." And you know, our system was like, especially at a new spot, it's like you get a slice, uh, and if it's good you know, and you're still hungry, you go back and get another slice. It was always, like, one at a time. But then, like, if the pizza was really good, you'd go back for the third slice, Uh and that was, like, the highest compliment (laughs) to the spot. (laughs) Yep. Um, This place, my dad and I looked at each other, and we were like, "Uh, yeah, can you cut that in half? (laughs) (laughs) So we each Mm. had half a slice, and we took a bite and just kind of silently, like, looked at each other, chewing, like... I don't think this is it. Right. And I think I finished my little half and my dad gave me the, like, you want another one? And I was mm-hmm. like, no, no, I'm good.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. That was it. Bad pizza exists. It does exist. Yeah. Yeah. There used yep. to be a place in, in St. John's. I have never uttered its name on the podcast. I'm going to continue <laughs> not to, even though it's out of business, just out of respect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some semblance of, re- why do I, I, don't know why I have respect for it, but um, yeah, you know, it was the only place that would hard, deliver to my, my, stuff. my former employer. Um, and so we got it a lot yeah. and I got to the point where I would just take all the toppings off and put them on a plate <laughs> and throw the crust in the garbage. It was that bad. Oh, that's like, sad. It was like, this is horrendous. Yeah. I could do better without oh, looking man. at the ingredients and just throwing stuff in a bowl. Yeah. It was just so bad. Yikes. Um and so I just, yeah, I'd just eat the toppings off and feel like, oh, are you trying to be healthy? I'm like, no, this is terrible. This is terrible <laughs> yeah. pizza. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's possible mm. to do it wrong
1: mm-hmm. for sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we got a little bit sidetracked. So we were talking about bad pizza, but. So, you you had this longing for a literal slice of home. Yep. And you started making pizza just for yourself, or did you have intentions on doing something else with it? Oh, purely selfish. Um, I was like, I need a
1: good (laughs) slice of pizza. Um, And so, I started with, uh, I was living with my uh, girlfriend at the time, Mm -hmm. now wife of over 13 years. Very nice. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. And we, she, she had, like, her mom's Better Homes, like, cookbook. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, let me start here. Pizza. You gotta Let's have somewhere. Go. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Um, made the dough. I don't know. Threw it together. Kind of messed around with the sauce. Got some cheese. Yada, yada. Not great. Really bad, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about bad pizza. It was like, oh, no. Mm-mm, this mm-hmm. isn't it. Um, and so... I think it that made me only more determined because it was like I've had like bad pizza that's better than this.
0: Okay, so <laughs> this one fateful night in yeah. 2005. <laughs> right? Like,
1: um but yeah, yeah. I was like no, I got to figure this out and um I took to the internet. This was like yeah, 2005-2006ish, so not a whole lot out there um as far as like deep rabbit holes on mm-hmm. stuff. But there was um a forum called pizzamaking.com. Okay. It's still up there. Um where all the pizza nerds would get together. Um and so I got in there. I found this blog uh from this guy in Atlanta who like loved Neapolitan pizza and was like on this journey to like perfect it Mm -hmm. uh, in his home oven. And that really kind of lit me up because I was like, I don't have a pizza oven. I think you need a pizza oven. How do you do it in Mm -hmm. your home oven? Um, And this guy, his name's Jeff Ferrazano, he had figured out how to basically trick his home oven into running on the cleaning cycle, which (laughs) was like, it would just turn it all the way up. Mm -hmm. I think it would get to like 800 degrees or something. And normally it's supposed to lock the door like for safety. For sure. You know? (laughs) Sure. Um, But I think he either like cut the lock or something so that he could then put his pizza stone in there and bake a pie, like a Neapolitan 90 second, you
2: Mm know, (laughs) serious
1: (laughs) pizza. Um, And he was doing it. And I just like, was that just... Was so don't do that. Think, inspiring. Don't, saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, for safety. So I did that,
0: and <laughs> 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 um,
1: yeah, no, like there, I definitely broke an oven in an apartment that we lived in. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, that's another story it was only a few days before Thanksgiving we were cooking our own Thanksgiving that year it was a whole thing don't, I don't rec- recommend it um, uh,
0: and the listeners know uh, <laughs> be careful with your ovens because uh, I <clears throat> cooked a turducken for Thanksgiving one year and that turned out great um, wow got the turducken from Sheridan Fruit Company here in town nice yeah uh, turducken's greasy uh huh grease will go down to the bottom of your oven hmm. Uh, don't hit the clean button, oh. or you will be smoked out of your home. Yeah, for yeah, like yeah. a month right before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you 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 maybe don't do it, but maybe your significant other does while you're recording a <laughs> podcast out here with uh, <laughs> uh, the guys from Old Blood Noise Endeavors Pedal oh, Company. Oh no. uh, maybe that <clears throat> happened. It definitely happened. Um, but be careful it, with your ovens, everyone.
1: Is it? They who hit the button or they who left the grease on the floor of the oven after cooking they the They might ducking. be the same
0: person. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, man. It was just, oh. uh, yeah, one of those brain fart moments that uh, you just don't, you're just like, oh, I've got kids. and you know, Oh, yeah, I forgot I needed to clean the oven. Let me just hit the button real it's fast. And simple. then <laughs> I got a message while I was recording with them. And it was, the oven's smoking really bad. I didn't know why. I was like, well. Turn it off. You know, I don't like what's... No, she's like, no, it's real bad. I was oh, like, okay, no. I better go in the house. It was real bad. Uh, I opened all the windows, got the oven shut off, got the smoke to that stop smoking. scary. Yeah. Well, and it's protein smoke, so, mm. you know. Yeah. Gross. Yeah, stinky. <clears throat> Uh And I opened all the windows, and I was just like, well... Go to mom and dad's, (laughs) because I'm going to have to call the restoration company. And uh, I went back out and finished the podcast. Yeah, I mean, you know. (laughs) It's like, what else am I going to do at this point? Like, I'll talk to you in another half hour, because there's nothing we can do at this point. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's wild. Anyway, self-cleaning oven adventures. Yeah, be careful. Uh, Tangents, that's what this show does best. So, you found out about this guy modifying his oven. Mm -hmm.
1: And he, like, he just went so deep on, like... He got into sourdough. He was tracing like the different bacteria strains and, you, you know, all this stuff that I still don't even really get. Um, and anyway, I just thought it was so cool. And I just kept going. I just kept practicing, just kept making pizza. Um, I think it just became a really strong hobby of mine mm-hmm. for a lot of years and just followed me throughout the next, you know, 10 odd years of my life as I was, you know, not owning a pizzeria.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what were you doing at the time?
1: Um, let's see. At the time, I was working for Apple. Okay. Um, I wanted to be a Mac genius. I thought that was like the coolest thing to be the one that like fixed the computers or whatever. It's kind of cool. It uh-huh. yeah, I mean, cool. It was cool. yeah, I mean it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, took me a while I like kind of worked my way up to that position. Um, but when I got there, they like I don't know if they still do this, but they were like flying everybody out to like Apple headquarters to go train and like learn all about the inner workings of the computers and all this like confidential whatever stuff and saw Steve Jobs. That was insane. Mm -hmm. Like it just was a cool experience. Um, But uh, got to a certain point where it was like a little bit... um, I don't know, just like the corporate thing and the corporate language and Mm -hmm. it can be kind of like culty and like we're the best and just a whole different mindset, I think, that you have to be in if you're really going to like grow with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just wasn't, I couldn't do it. Um, I get it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But in the meantime, um, by then... My wife and I had moved to. We'd been married by then. We had moved to New Haven, Connecticut, because she oh. got into the <laughs> Yale School of Forestry for a master's program, Whoa. which is cool. Yeah. Um. But also New Haven, Connecticut. Uh-huh. You know where I'm going <laughs> oh, with this? Oh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> like basically the unsung pizza capital of it's the starting country. Starting to get right. Sung. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Starting to get sung. Yeah. yeah. Um. So really, really great pizza out there. I just kept kind of hobbying away um, for a while, but then
0: which one's your go-to? We have to. We can't skip over. I think I'm a Sally's. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I, that's a trip I still haven't made. Shout out to the Balkan Brothers who are on this podcast. They're a band from the area. Pizza <laughs> fiends. Uh, yeah, they're like, you come out, we're going. We're going around. Nice. I, I have even. Another shout out, Eric, listener Eric sent me a Frank Pepe shirt they wear all the time. <laughs> I feel like a little bit of a poser. No, uh, it's but, just, you know, it's <laughs> a tribute. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, I've never been to Frank Pepe's, but I, it's like, you know, name three songs when you're wearing the band shirt. I'm like, I can't. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but I great. will. I yeah. will one day. White clam pie, tomato <laughs> pie. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> um, There's some white clam pies. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We'll go, we'll get there. Anyway, right. so you're. You're Sally's guy, and you're in so, New Haven, so...
1: And we're in New Haven. I got a gig making wood-fired pizzas on the, like, Yale farm. Um Yale this, has like, a farm? Yeah. There's okay. this, like, urban farm project that actually was started uh, sort of in partnership with Alice Waters, famous chef from California. Her daughter i think was going to the school and she was like why don't you have a farm here this is ridiculous (laughs) um so they started a farm and there's a wood-fired pizza oven on the farm and every friday uh after like harvest days they would cook pizzas Mm -hmm. and me still on my like pizza journey trying to find the best like way to bake a pie and stuff i was really trying to like, I think I was just frustrated that I didn't have an oven that got as hot as a real pizza oven. Mm-hmm. So having access to a wood-fired pizza <laughs> oven, I was like, ooh, let Here me we get go. in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, ended up being like the Friday pizza guy for a little bit. Um, and I think around then I just was getting much more excited in food and cooking and baking. And the... um I had started working for Apple in Albuquerque, but out there I was working at another Apple store, but it was like an hour train ride away. Okay. And it was just a whole thing. So eventually I was like, all right, this is not gonna work out for me. I'm gonna just start trying to like get into food. Mm -hmm. Um, I had felt so passionately about it. I was like, I think I maybe wanna like own a restaurant one day or be a chef or whatever. Um, again, my dad being, like, so supportive and encouraging of everything was like, well, let's check out, like, culinary schools and got me, like, books on, like, how to write a business plan mm-hmm. and stuff <laughs> like that, um, uh, which was really cool. Um, and... I looked into culinary schools and went and checked out some places and it's so expensive. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was so expensive. Mm-hmm. And my wife was like, why don't you just like try to get a job in a restaurant and see if you like it, maybe? Probably a before... good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, I was like, all right, let me let me try and do that. And yeah. Uh found myself working at like a cafe where I was able to do like the morning baking of like muffins and scones and cookies and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, then also picked up another part-time job at a German bread bakery. Um, And I don't know, like I think from there I started, things just started moving really fast for me. Like that excitement and sort of like obsession just grew and grew. And I sort of picked up this mindset of like, well, I need to just like absorb everything, mm-hmm. and I need to work every restaurant job there is, you know, every type of you know position or whatever in a restaurant, and like get as familiar as possible with this, so that when I'm ready to like do my thing, like I'm prepared or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think it was the hardest to break into line cooking, like without, like. I don't know, any line cook job, I feel like they want you to have line cooking experience. Right. Catch 22 there. Yeah. Um, And so just along this journey, I think I developed skills of going through all these jobs and trying to like kind of advance to like interview really well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, finally, like kind of talked my way into a, a line cook job and, I was like, all right, like now I get to sort of you know build myself up in the kitchen. And at that point, uh, my wife Amy finished her grad program and got a fellowship uh, at Portland State University. Okay, and we had been to Portland a few times, had friends out there, out here, um, and such a food oriented town i was just like yeah let's go you know Mm -hmm. um it's really excited and got out here um thought it would be like the most badass thing that i could do as a cook in portland was cook brunch
0: (laughs) so (laughs) about what year is this this was 2012. okay yeah Yeah. that's that's like when brunch Really was starting to pop off. It
1: was like Polandia, you know, Mm -hmm. times. Uh, Good times. (laughs) Yeah,
2: right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I miss those times. (laughs) (laughs) Things things were better then. Um, But, yeah, uh, just, you know, kept kind of working and grinding and... uh, are there any gonna... spots
0: you can drop? Because i i mean, I've lived here forever, so yeah. There's well, a few, few so spots. my
1: my first my first job was like working the in the, work in the br- brunch line at Bread and Ink Cafe in okay, Hawthorne. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was pretty wild. Um, very interesting I, you, experience. I may have ate
0: some of your food then. <laughs> <laughs> you might have.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, they had like the waffle window yep, attached. Definitely. And oh my gosh, I think the, they still like, do. I think. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. And so, but for brunch, we would have like chicken and waffles. Yeah. So we would still get the waffles from there. And for whatever reason, to make it nice on the plate, you'd have to like trim off like the edges of the waffles to make them perfect squares or okay. something. I ate those waffle ends <laughs> like constantly all day long, every day. Um, But uh, yeah, a- a- after... um almost a year or so of that, I sort of found out through our extended friend network about this place that was about to open and um, was hiring. And I was trying to like, I wanted to get into like fine dining, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, long story short, interviewed really well, uh-huh. and got a job at Ava Jean's when yeah. I first opened. Yeah. Um, and that was wild. I was not cut out. Like, I didn't have the chops to, like, <laughs> be working there. Sure. Um, but I learned so, so much, and it was, like, still just, like, or just left a huge impression on me, I think. Mm-hmm. Um but it was really really stressful i think because i was just in over my head um i'm sure it was stressful for everybody who was working there who knew sure. what they were doing too <laughs> um just being a brand new place and i think it was like got all the best new restaurant things oh, like yeah. right away i remember that, that. Yeah. yeah um and anyway i was just like coming home from work every day feeling so like beat down and just like exhausted and worn out and uh my wife the smart one was like <laughs> hey like you're making pizza all the time at home like on your days off on your weekends like you're making pizza you're staying up late at night working on your like dough formula spreadsheets and stuff like why don't you go get a job at a pizzeria and just like you know see if you have a good time mm-hmm. like and i didn't want to do that i think i didn't think it was like a serious enough job mm. or whatever and um yeah i was like that's not you know that's not going to like move me forward in my career <laughs> or whatever um and she was like it doesn't matter like you're you're totally burnt out like you need to just go work somewhere and and maybe it'll be like fun and you can figure out what you want to do Mm -hmm. Um, and so I did that I I had read about this place on the pizza blogs um, called Handsome Pizza Uh and I just rolled up one day and um, it was like a chill you know sort of like afternoon met the owner Will and just kind of had a pizza and he came and like sat down with me and we just chatted and Um, you know, I told him that I would love to, to work in a pizza place, like this place I really liked. Mm -hmm. Um, and before I knew it was kind of like filling in some shifts when people were out of town and then, you know, picking up more regular shifts. And, uh, as soon as I started like really spending time at a pizza shop, it just, was really clear to me. It was like, oh, this is actually the thing. This like, is what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it just, okay. I don't know. It was like a, a, like a light switched on or something. Um,
0: and was it was a p- particular moment, or just slowly <sighs> building up as you worked here more.
1: I, I think it was really early on, and especially at that place. This was Handsome Pizza. So, um, it, so a couple years after I started there. They used to be on this like lot uh, in like an old like auto shop. Um, and it got torn down and like developed, mm-hmm. so they had to move into a different space. And that was when they opened up on Killingsworth and 15th. Um, and it was called Handsome Sea Star, like Handsome Pizza yes. and Sea Star Bakery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is before that in their, like, sort of first iteration, which was just teeny tiny, a wood-fired oven. Um, the thing that blew my mind about it was that Will was making big 18-inch pies mm-hmm. in a wood-fired oven. Oh, yeah. You don't see that super often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a sec. Like, a big pie. And he was doing slices, you know? Uh, he would just, like, warm them up kind of, like, right in the oven door. Mm-hmm. Um And it just, like, I had never considered that that was, like, a thing that you could, um, like, two styles that you could combine, Mm -hmm. the sort of, like, wood-fired sort of Neapolitan thing, which I was really interested in and fascinated by. But then the, like, sort of New York big pie slice thing, which is what had so much meaning to me, Mm -hmm. you know? Um... And I was just like, oh, my God, I think, you know, not only is pizza really my thing, but also like this is sort of like my style. Um, and Will was just like such a like, I don't know, just welcomed me in uh, so much and was just like such a mentor and just like from day one kind of asked me, like, so what's what's your pizza place going to be like? Oh, wow. I was like, really? Mm-hmm. Huh? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um
2: Hi, I'm Vincent, and I'm here to talk about the Maris Mercury X. My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a 4800 Hertz sample rate, and 99 preset locations, and 33 banks, and something along the lines of the most advanced reverb pedal. Ever devised by man? That's all true, but I only care about one thing. This pedal sounds sick. So make sure you check out the Mercury X and all the other fine products at Marist.us, as well as fine retailers worldwide. All right, Dad, all now right. can I have my Pocky?
0: How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services. And it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than 2 bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there.
1: Did and, he say that to
0: everybody or was he saw something in you?
1: Um, you know, he said that to everybody. Honestly, like we had, I mean, it was a small crew of all of us who worked there, but we were all like really into peace. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Um, so Special I think crew. that helped. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, everything just started to make sense. I like learned only around that time um through my wife asking my dad questions because i had never thought to ask questions um about like our family and stuff i didn't know that we were like part italian
0: oh really yeah until
1: like 2014 or something you know wow yeah uh i remember he texted me (laughs) i was like Wait. Oh, and I was asking him, like, where, like, where in Italy is our family from? And he was like, some, like, I think somewhere by Naples. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, it's in the is DNA. <laughs> yeah, it was like, yes, we are pizza positive. <laughs> um, Tested positive for pizza. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: so yeah, it just it just made sense, um, and. Yeah, I, I was still like part-time there, but got another job uh also working part-time at uh East Gleason Pizza, mm-hmm. um, which opened I think maybe twenty fourteen. Um, and just had a blast working there. Got to like bring in my sourdough from home oh. to like help kind of like set up their pizza recipe because mm-hmm. they were brand new. Um and just kept learning so much so fast. And Yeah, it just kind of like, just kind of became really clear that that was it. Mm -hmm. Um, And before I knew it, I think I was like starting to write a business plan and Mm -hmm. think about a concept and do a lot of research into like what it takes to run a pizzeria or a restaurant in general. Um,
0: It's a rough gig. Oh, yeah, <laughs> to put it very mildly. It's, it is a very tough business to be in. Very tough business. The restaurant business, business is, is a very – I mean, I don't think it's something – I think now people understand it a little bit more as far as the difficulties. But back – it's even back in like 2012, 2014, I feel like people still didn't fully – the general public wasn't aware. They're just like, yeah, it's no. a restaurant. You go into a restaurant. Give me food. Yeah. How hard can it be? it's really challenging. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was it harder than you expected once you actually started when you took the wheel? Or was it about, about what you imagined?
1: Unfathomably
0: harder than I ever could have expected.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think especially as like an independent operator, yeah. like everything that it is is like, literally like you have to make you have to do and like put into it Mm -hmm. and um there's so much there's so many moving parts there's so many little details so many things happening every single day and it was a very long time that i kind of went through just feeling like there are not enough hours in the day like i just am i can't keep up like this is not possible mm-hmm. you know um but i just kept getting up the next day and going back to it <laughs> you know um i mean again as like an independent like it was it was my wife and i have like life savings and like a business loan that mm-hmm. got us into it and it was like failure was not an option literally mm-hmm. like we that was it if it was if that didn't work like I, it would have been really really bad yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um uh,
0: yeah I can relate I get it <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's a lot a lot that goes into it mm-hmm. yeah but, so at what time yeah. frame did you make the leap? yeah so um it was 2015 so it was really like I want to say maybe a year and a half or two years only after I like first started working at a pizzeria. Mm-hmm. Um that we like opened, you know?
0: And that place on division. For, yeah. We're turning this somewhat into the uh local Portland podcast here, but like it was <laughs> in that original spot there. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, and that was just like I had felt like I'd been researching and planning and planning, and there was sort of like nothing left to do to like visualize mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, except for maybe like finding a spot and yeah. Um we just just did it. It just felt mm-hmm. right. Just like here we go. Mm-hmm. Leaping in both yeah, feet. Definitely. Definitely. And I remember before we opened like just wondering like gosh like I I'm in even even just as we were getting set up I had never made a pizza in the kind of oven that I like decided to get what that did you I get? like so okay Backtrack, All the right. guy with the blog, with the 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 cleaning cycle uh-huh. oven guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, he eventually opened a pizzeria okay. in Atlanta. Of course, he did. It's called Verrazano's. and the L- oven that he got where Atlanta, Atlanta. Okay, I don't know. Oh, yeah. somewhere over there. Somewhere. In yeah. I mean, I think he's got a, a small location in the airport now. So, oh, yeah, cool. You can find it. Um, but yeah, I I think I was like reading. Uh, an interview with him or something and found that he had chosen this Pizza Master oven that was made in Sweden and was just this like sort of obscure electric deck oven that was like, he liked it because it got really hot, basically. And Mm -hmm. he liked an electric oven because that's what he had been baking in at home. Mm -hmm. Um, And you too.
2: And me too. Mm-hmm.
1: And so I was like, well, I think I think that's probably it, you know? And I had never seen one. <laughs> like oh, wow. I just decided, like, I got that's that's it. Like that, he's the guy. Um, he knows. And yeah, I like bought this oven and you know, it was just like it's not a real way to like <laughs> try that out first. No, no not I wouldn't. really. Um yeah, I mean I feel like there are ways, like, if I, like, I definitely could have found a way to try one out, um, but I don't know. It just, it you were was just a strange ready strange time. Go. Yeah. yeah, I was ready. <laughs> I was like, let's get it. Come on. There, it really, like, I didn't think about any other oven. It was just like, that's it um but when the time came i was like oh my god i've never made a pizza in this thing (laughs) (laughs) like i hope it works um and you know same day even just like before uh before opening it was like whoa like what if people don't like my pizza like i'm just making pizza that i like but what if nobody else likes it you Mm know um yeah it was a Crazy, yeah, like
0: very, very similar to a you know, you're about to drop that album, right? Oh, yeah, you're like I love this. A lot of people might not. Totally, you know, there's been you know lots of records that people have made that most people didn't appreciate. Very yeah. Well. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: You have no idea how something's going to be received when you put it out there, and um. I think it takes a certain type of person has to, you have to be like maybe a little bit crazy, a little bit, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But especially to um, kind of be able to like, uh, just put not just yourself, but your like expression out
0: there. Mm -hmm. I think it's like a very personal thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't fully agree with this, but, I kind of understand where it comes from, where people talk about, usually in a musical context, because a lot of people record lots of stuff and no one else, else ever hears it. And some people say, well, it's not really, you know, art until other people get to absorb it and <laughs> take part in it. And I can understand where that's coming from. I don't necessarily agree with it for a few different reasons. Sure, But yeah. this with, with food in a restaurant, the whole thing takes so much thought. I mean, unless you're opening a Chili's, then there's a formula. <laughs> right. But, like, and that has its own challenges. But uh, it's not the same thing as something that you have thought about and obsessed over and, you know, agonized over every little detail. Not just the food. Like, oh, the layout. And, like, how do I want people to feel when they come in and look at this per- particular angle? And when you're sitting here. And the, totally. there's so many different aspects to it. Yeah. <clears throat> that all go into... How somebody feels when they leave the place and there's really no other way to experience that other than to create it and see what happens yeah yeah, yeah. and it's funny too
1: because i mean restaurants are it's controlled chaos is really what it is mm-hmm. you know like you can only plan and like prepare for so much um and like set your try to your best to like set yourself up for success but every single day is going to be different every person that walks through the door is different right mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's funny how, like, so much of just, like, those things about a place, you know, I'm thinking, I guess I'm specifically thinking about, like, my place, it, it's just about what we had to do to make it work, (laughs) you know? It's (laughs) like, I, I, I... Kind of know how to make this pizza the way I want to, mm-hmm. um, and what else needs to happen. How I guess do I we got to put at it scale, on scale. Yeah. You know, how do
0: I make it? You know, in a system that makes sense, so it's always available or available exactly. as quickly as possible. Yeah. How do I satisfy demand? If if we are successful, how do we keep up with demand? Yeah. Which is a good problem to have, but something you've had to navigate.
1: Totally. Mm. Totally. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting now, like, I mean, we're coming up on eight years in. And so looking back at, like, the trajectory of the business, like, that, I think, is a key thing. Like, the demand aspect of the business. Because once you're doing... This once you turn this thing that you like doing like into a business, mm-hmm. suddenly there's all this other responsibility that comes with it. Yes. Um, and that comes with a lot of pressure. And so I think as a young inexperienced business owner, mm-hmm. um I was just kind of like doing what I thought, you know, just made a business good or healthy. And so if there was demand, if we were finding that like, oh, people were like having to wait a long time for pizzas because we were making so many and the orders got you know pushed out in times or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, oh, well, we got to figure out how to make more pizzas and make pizzas faster and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. And so we're not turning people away. And um, I think that was probably like my biggest mistake was like leaning more into the business side of it Mm -hmm. than the actual like sort of like purpose of and like expression of like what i was doing Mm -hmm. i think um because it just created all these other challenges (laughs) (laughs) you were trying
0: to sell to everybody that wants one instead of if i'm understanding correctly instead of you know keeping up like making it to a level that you could maintain you know, and keeping it there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. just, like,
1: recognizing, like, what is a healthy capacity to operate at, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And how do you then, you know, um, maintain that in the sense of, like, not getting pulled beyond that? Um, So I think that turned a lot into, like, learning a lot of different ways to say no <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> um and just yeah um yeah it's been a, a very interesting like sort of adventure and 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 journey of discovery I think all along the way um I think I'm just grateful that I did develop and still have like a deep interest in the business side of things more just from like a mathy problem solving Mm -hmm. like standpoint yeah um so that kind of really keeps me engaged and excited about that side
0: when did you know it was time to open another location that's a oh god i think this can apply to you know a lot of there's a lot of people who listen to this that run guitar gear companies and have small pedal companies and other things, and some of them have gone through this same period that you're talking about where it's like, okay, I can't get one to everybody that wants one, mm. so they're having to let off the gas on certain aspects you know so I guess the the bigger question would be how do you know when it's a good time to expand, which is essentially what the second location is
1: totally that's a really good question um so i felt r- relatively early on that we needed to expand but that again was like young and naive scott mm-hmm. thinking like oh like we need another spot we could do sell so many more pizzas mm-hmm. and like that's all good for business and um at the time like that mindset was really just Causing me to, like, take on all these other things that took so much more work and cost more money, too. Mm-hmm. And weren't even really, like, bringing in more yeah. money, if that makes sense. It's almost like the the Brings of in more return... revenue, but
0: at the end of the day, you're not making any more net Yeah, because you profit. have to,
1: like, work so much harder and everything has to work so much harder in order to hit that, like... Achieve that level of volume, um, so the the equation wasn't like working out mm-hmm. <laughs> for a long time <laughs> sure. there. Um, but uh, that said, I did put some time into sort of like visualizing, like okay, what would that look like? What would the you know business plan for number two look like, sure. and stuff what like I that? What I learned from number one, exactly, yeah. um, and. Started to like look for locations and got pretty darn close to like picking a spot. Um, and then COVID came along,
0: <gasps> yeah, that thing, <laughs> yeah. And so, like, hard reset, it hit you hit you guys harder and faster than any other industry. By oh alone. my gosh, I mean, it, hospitality in general, I guess. I should yeah, say. no, it
1: restaurants is. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really heavy. And... Um, I think it just changed everything.
2: (laughs) It just changed everything.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, and so we were suddenly in, like, survival mode. You know, what's, what do we need to do to, like, keep the lights on? But also, like, are we going to be okay? (laughs) Like, is anybody going to be okay? (laughs) The big question. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, again, just coming back to, like, failure not being an option. Um Amy and I my wife Amy and I just kind of uh just got to work, you know, mm-hmm. and just put our heads down and we were grinding there for a good couple years straight of just like making enough pizzas to like keep the bills paid yeah. basically, mm-hmm. right? Um but what we found, I think we just like learned a lot in that time. We learned about coming back to that like capacity. We learned, okay, what's our capacity as like as such a small shop now? Yeah. Now that we've like fully shrunken down to like bare necessities. Um and I think we started to find that operating in a smaller way allowed us to to be more efficient in mm-hmm. a lot of ways um so we started to kind of just like get better at it i mm-hmm. think <laughs> um making pizzas you know keeping things organized keeping the quality really consistent like i still i think it was interesting cuz like at the at the time of covid i was like in this sort of big picture position where I was just managing all of these moving parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but then deep COVID, I was like going in, turning the lights on, mixing the dough, like Ham. making all the pizzas, mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. you know, and then sweeping and mopping at the end of the night and being able to like be so engaged with that and not having to worry about anything else, you mm-hmm. know, I was like, that was all we had to do.
2: <laughs> and, right. <laughs> you know
1: um and i was able to just like think a lot more about it and kind of like tweak almost like everything that i touched all the time you
0: touched everything that was yeah,
1: happening. yeah yeah and it was like just everything could sort of change on the fly so i think we just really adapted really well um and at the same time since we were kind of just in this sort of like what is the You know, what's that sort of, like, um, point that we need to, like, hit that's, like, manageable for us in our human capacity um, and keeps the business alive? Um, We found this incredible, like, work-life balance that suddenly existed, um, I think, for the first time. Because with the shop open less days, like, not open seven days a week... it just made such a difference. I think, like, for me, like, when the shop was open, I was there. Mm-hmm. And when I wasn't in the shop, the shop wasn't open. Right. And that so just you didn't like, have
0: to think about it when you weren't
1: there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it kind of like did wonders for like my mental health.
0: To be fully <laughs>
1: honest, you know,
0: mm-hmm. um, and just like stress level. You're like and everything. no one's there, no one's messing anything up, nothing's yeah. happening. Like nobody, no customers are screaming. There's no yeah there's nothing happening i'm not there right gonna now. get
1: the call about the pipe that burst or whatever or mm-hmm. the, the equipment that broke down the cheese or, grater that needed oh a, my <laughs> goodness <laughs> so yeah uh just you know a lot really changed about i think just like my own relationship um to the business mm-hmm. and um things suddenly felt a lot more manageable and i feel like we were really able to like dial things in Mm -hmm. um in a way where previously it had felt more like a runaway train yeah (laughs) like like I wasn't running a business the business was running me Mm -hmm. you know it was like I just went and did whatever needed to be done um I felt much more like oh this is like a thing that we're doing Mm -hmm. and it's a, a much more active thing I don't know
0: um We are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the Gear Exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there that's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the Gear Exchange, you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby because, let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fun new gear purchases. And that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff.
2: Hello there. I'd like to introduce you to your best friend, the Chase
0: Bliss Audio,
2: Lossy. Lossy is a collaboration between Chase Bliss and Hertz. Well, it's meant to give you some control over those weird digital artifacts that come with
0: every compressed audio.
2: You're
1: getting it right now. All the changes that
0: are taking place are strictly coming from my playing dance. I'm just interacting with the pedal and letting it do its thing. And some true stereo goodness. If you'd like some more details about Lossing, I invite you to head over
2: to ChaseBlitzAudio.com gonna
0: like what you find. Well, it's, there's this thing, and and I, I don't know, there's there's multiple ways to think about it, but you hear people say things like working on your business, not working in it as a way of talking about achieving the other end of that. Like, <laughs> So, you you know, like there's this middle ground that everybody has to hit, especially with anything physical, physical products-wise. Like, where you're in it no matter what. Right. You know, when you're first starting to, to this middle point, you're, there's just no way of not having your hands on it and your foot on the gas. It's, it's impossible. Totally. And then there's the other side of it when you've grown it to a point where you can have somebody else kind of managing that and you go back to big picture.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's one side of it. But then there's the other side where it sounds like you're at now and where uh, a guy by the name of Analog Mike, who runs Analog Man Pedals. Nice. uh, uh he was on the show for several years ago. Now, he's one of the most in-demand pedal builders out there. But he, like you, has went, how big do I want this to be? I want it to be this big. I've got employees that have worked for me for X number of years. I don't want any more of them. I don't want – not because he doesn't like me. I don't want any more to manage. This is great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we all get yeah. along. We all have the same goals. We can take good care of each other and – If my wait list goes up to five plus years, that's fine. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Which it's kind of frustrating to some consumers. Like, I got to wait five years for an overdrive pedal. Like, if that's what you want.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like, you mm. don't have to. You don't have to. You have a choice. Yeah. There's other
0: options. Yeah. (laughs) But if you want that one. Exactly. That's what you're going to have to do. And that's, uh, I think, to me, like, knowing he knew his limitations, or at least where he wanted them to be. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that a lot of business owners get. Uh, like I said, the business starts running you. You're like, "Well, oh, yeah. I can sell this many more. I can sell this many more. Oh, this is so cool." Yeah. Now that's all fine and d- and dandy, but I do think you need to have a you need to have an out. And I don't, don't necessarily mean you need to sell the business, but you need to be able to have a a uh, point at which you're not doing that anymore because no one can do that forever.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. It's Totally mm-hmm. unsustainable. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I just couldn't everyone There's has no to do it at some point, but you yeah. can't do it forever <laughs> yeah yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah mm. um no that's totally mm-hmm. right. Mm. I think just finding that balance like i I think by sort of working smaller um I was able to be in it but then also still have the time and capacity outside of it. Mm-hmm to work on it. Yep.
0: I get it. <laughs> if that makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. <laughs> it makes total
1: sense. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's a it's a tough thing. The one thing that's big for me and a reoccurring thing that comes up on this podcast is self-awareness. And it's just because I didn't have enough of it for a long time and sometimes I still don't. But <laughs> at least as far as goals and what you're doing on a day-to-day, I think a lot of people don't realize why they're not stoked on something yeah There's they just get stuck into a certain pattern without realizing that's that's the thing like your wife was like you like pizza <laughs> bro you like pizza <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh i do like pizza you're right yeah you know i was like i like music gear I like, that's what I really love, and pizza, but not enough to run a pizzeria. And just enough to eat <laughs> lots of it and, and talk about it all the time. But you like gear enough I'm to, gear to enough. get into that. <laughs> right? Exactly. So. And it's like finding that thing. And it might be, it, it's different things for different people. It might be accounting for somebody. Right. Some people really like crunching numbers. I've met these people. I don't <laughs> understand these people, but they really like doing taxes. It could be anything. <laughs> It doesn't matter what it is, but finding that thing, and because we all, it, we, it takes all types for society to even function. Mm-hmm. It takes a guy who likes doing taxes. It's, yeah, it's,
1: totally. We have to have
0: them. Yeah, you know. And the more people <laughs> that that can, you know, maybe stop, you know, I don't you know, insert job they don't like here. It doesn't matter what it is, and work towards something that does excite them. No matter what that is, I think that's how we win as a society is by getting yeah. more people to do the thing that at least they like. So it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be the person on stage, mm-hmm. but maybe you really like running sound.
2: Right. You know, like whatever <laughs> it
0: is, there's all kinds of angles. And I think the more people that can find those particular pieces that they like, and that can change. It doesn't have to be one thing. Yeah. Um, but trying to find that is important. And it's cool to see somebody like you, who's taken this random passion for that, like you've spent time on internet forums obsessing yeah. over, Gosh. to now a full-fledged thing that is like well known as one of the best spots in in town. Everybody knows, like that's the place you go. You know, there's like five places in Sc- and Scotty's is one of
1: them. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's really crazy. Yeah.
1: Um still just still just trying to make a, a pizza that I like. You know? <laughs> you um, brought a good one today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's pretty good. Um so yeah, I don't know. Um it, it, I think looking at the like expansion side of it, it's mm-hmm. it's interesting to me. I think a lot. I think, personally, I think we were all
0: going through a lot in those, like, oh, 2020, 2021, traumatic. right? Everyone, no matter how you feel yeah. about anything during that time, we were all really getting hammered.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: And I think it changed us all, you know? And I think that, um, yeah, I just think, like, a lot of my perspective and ideas changed um, about what I want to do and... Mm-hmm. How I see my future, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting because, like, at first, when Amy and I were just like head down grinding, just make the pizzas, but we're only making the pizzas four days a week. Mm-hmm. We got three days to live, you know. <laughs> right. Um, we were like, this could be it. Let's just keep it like this. Like, I mean, that's so simple. Yeah. You know, it's like suddenly, like. Numbers-wise, the business was like checking out. Like we weren't just barely making it. It was like, oh, we're like making an income, and this like seems like it's working, mm-hmm. um, which was wild. Uh, and yeah, we were like, let, let's just do this. But then, you know, a year later, we were like, I don't know if we can do this forever.
0: <laughs> uh, and some people can. We've seen that. Yeah, right? like, totally. The old Italian guy out there like doing this thing. Like, exactly. You know, it, it yeah. exists. Yeah. But some, again, that came to different time periods. That yeah. made sense for a while. Right. And right. then you're like, oh, wait a minute. I don't know if I can do this forever. Yeah. Maybe we need to shift gears a little bit. Yeah. It's okay to change your mind.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think a thing that, another, another piece to it is that we had simplified so much, you know, we had kind of like cut a lot from what we were as a business Mm -hmm. in order to do it so small. Um, and I mean, even shortly before the pandemic, we had like remodeled the shop and, um, kind of like busted out a large part of our dining room just to make our kitchen bigger. Again, just trying to like hit demand. Bad, bad moves. I would, wouldn't have done it the same. I remember um, when that happened. I was like, oh. Yeah. Well, I guess so, I'll go outside. Right? Yeah. And so now here we were in a pandemic with a shop that was mostly kitchen, which was good because it's not like we time, had a dining room yep. that we had to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Like, we also just didn't, it's just like we didn't have the place that I think I had always wanted mm-hmm. to have. Um, and so eventually my mind started to kind of drift back to like, well, you know, I like how we're doing this, but I kind of wish we were doing it in like the proper sized space and able to like do you know, our full menu and like concept and like pizza by the slice, which is really important to me. It's what I grew up eating. Mm -hmm. Um, But we like couldn't do that anymore just because of how things work now. Um, And I think that was sort of what drove me to looking for another spot. And I really don't, I still don't see it so much as like, oh i'm like growing a i don't feel like it's an active like i'm like i'm growing a business i feel like no we just like we needed to get like the spot right. where we could like do what we wanted to do mm-hmm. um so this like new shop in northwest portland is like you know it's got like a nice-sized dining room. We've got tables outside. We've got, like, the nice, like, counter with the pizza slice display. Mm-hmm. And we can get you a slice right there. And um, we've got enough room to move around and, like, prep everything and have, like, you know, beer on tap. We have a Aperol Spritz on tap right now, which is really fun. Nice. Like, you know, there's just, like, a lot more, uh, like, breathing room. Mm-hmm. I mean, that first shop is... Honestly... Not much bigger than the shred shed. Thing. No, it's not.
0: <laughs> so no, it's not. Yeah. And I work in here by myself. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So I think that's where what I wanted and I feel really happy with it now. Mm-hmm. Um
0: yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like yeah. it. This flew by. So, yeah, I was like, did. Wow. My goodness, <laughs> there were so many more things to talk about. I guess we'll have to talk about it some, uh, you know, on Patreon, and and uh, maybe we'll have you come back sometime. We'll just cool. we'll just dive yeah. down the rabbit hole. Then yeah. I can talk you into you know, I'll go outside and you can nerd out on pedals for a while. (laughs) Right. We can come back and talk (laughs) pedals for a while. Yeah. But man, this is a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, me too. excited to see what we get into on Patreon. It's going to get weird. Cool. Cool. I'm down. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. This is great. Well, I got a few more classic questions to wrap this up on. Yeah. And uh, before I do, I like to give the guests a chance to take the floor. You know, you're talking to a few thousand people right now. You can shout out, Whoever you want to shout out, you can plug anything you want to plug. You can, you know, say hi to your grandma, whatever it is. You know, the floor is yours.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, I have to shout out my friend, Scott Wiener. Yeah. (laughs) It was a big part of why I'm here. Uh Uh, I love it. Um, We, yeah, had our own sort of like pizza and music connection. Um, So, and he just
0: had a baby. So, I think I just want to say congratulations, Scott. Yeah. And uh, for everybody, if you didn't catch Scott's episode, the, there's a lot of Scotts getting thrown around here right now. Uh, <laughs> Scott Wiener's episode—he's from Scott's Pizza Tours. Go back and listen to that episode. We talk extensively about how he started that business and got into that side of things. And uh, you know, he has a very musical background as well. And he mentioned a, a road trip that this Scott took with him. <laughs> and. Yeah, that's, what, that's why we're here. Because uh, we, we, go back and listen to that episode. It'll all make sense. I don't explain <laughs> it. Go back and listen. If you got this far, you'll enjoy that one as well. Cool. Nice. All right. Classic questions. First one, what is your favorite boss pedal? Oh, my goodness. Okay, I didn't have
1: a lot of pedals, um, but I did have the Blues Driver. Yeah. I really liked that one. Blues I felt like was it was good. really
0: versatile and like i don't know it's just i feel like it's a i feel like it's a little bit it gets a little bit overlooked by myself and also <laughs> f- for its name it's like oh blues right. driver i don't really play blues exactly but it's so much more than that yeah it really is mm-hmm. yeah yeah that was that was fun i yeah. enjoyed that one blues driver's great absolutely <laughs> Okay, final question and this is a this is going to be an interesting one cuz obviously you make pizza. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I asked this of every guest. <laughs> but what is your favorite pizza? Oh my goodness. I like, this isn't even fair to ask you this. I understand. Well,
1: that. hold on. There's so that's a very general and vague question. Well,
0: right now. It could change in 2 seconds,
1: but like But like what is your favorite, you know, like Topping combination on pizza. What's your favorite pizzeria? I tell people to get as
0: specific as they want to get. Is what I tell people to get. Yeah. Like if you had to have a pizza, like if somebody was like, "This is your final pizza," (laughs) and you will you will go to the great pizza oven in the sky. uh, Wow. Like what are you gonna? What are you gonna do? last, Last pizza. And like I said, that can change tomorrow. Yeah. But right now, in this okay, moment. Okay, okay. In yeah. this
1: moment. Yeah. Um, I will say I've been thinking about this one a lot lately. There's a place in Berkeley mm-hmm. called Amelia's Pizzeria. Um it is a one man band mm, of okay. sorts. All right. Um, this guy, Keith, uh, makes. It's pizza's in p- a looper pedal. And yes, and a yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. He lays down the dough, <laughs> loops that, lays down the sauce. Tap tempo. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no, he makes an incredible pie. Um, he has done some like oven hacking of his own. Uh, and whatever magical combination of all his little details that he brings to it. Mm-hmm. Um I often say it's my favorite pizza in the country. Um yeah, I could really go for just a regular house pie from there. All right. What's all on the house pie? It's just like a kind of just like a nice cheese pie, a <sighs> little bit of basil. Sometimes Fresh motts, aged motts, mm-hmm. the sauce, some, maybe some herbs. you know in Berkeley. Some olive oil. Mm-hmm. All right.
0: Yeah. so oh, good. All right now I'm going to ask you a secondary question because because we're local here, so in Portland or Portland metro area, outside of your own shop, Oh who who should like I know we got a lot of Portland listeners, so like, who should people check out? Maybe maybe somebody, oh, this is a better question. Underrated Portland metro area pizza. Oh man. Okay. Well, because like I think we all, I think Ken's is amazing, but everybody knows about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, and been around forever. Yep. Yeah. But who's, um, who needs a little love? No, there, there's a lot of good, you know, relative newcomers, uh, in town. Um, oh gosh. It's usually, so my thing is like, I, Wish I, I used to get out for pizza more often. I don't so much anymore. I but get it. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now when I go out, it's like to a spot I've like really been meaning to get to, mm-hmm. you know? And so these days I feel like at any given moment, if you ask me like what's my favorite pizza in Portland, it's gonna be the most recent one I that, had. That counts. Because yeah. I keep like going to another spot and going like Oh, I think this is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I, do,
0: I do the same thing. I don't get up to Portland as often uh, as I used to. So um, I'm usually there and I'll be like stuck like in uh, one place all day. And so it's kind of in Southeast. So I'm either going to your spot if I want pizza nice. or, you know, somewhere within a few blocks of Mill Street or, you know, within a relatively quick driving distance of Mill yeah. Street. So Okay, okay. Uh, but yeah, who would be... All All right. I guess the maybe the last one you had then Where yeah go
1: with that uh last week i finally made it to the newly opened sort of like um new location it was open closed for a bit opened in a new location in st john's called gracie's i keep hearing about gracie's i've not made it yet so good okay um i'm good friends with craig who owns it um and w- actually went in good company with a uh, friend, Odie, who owns Boxcar Pizza oh, very nice. on uh, yep. Sandy. Uh, he also makes an incredible crust. Uh, he's doing Detroit style pizza and it's all vegan. And he does all his like vegan stuff in house, mm-hmm. incredible flavor combinations and stuff. So good. I Honestly, like those are probably my top two uh, in Portland. Uh Gracie's was awesome, though. We had a great time. The dough is, like, just, just exactly what it needed to be, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like his, like, menu and, you know, topping combinations and stuff are just, like, really well put together Um and just really good ingredients and stuff that, you know, it's like... I don't like... Food that makes you think too hard. Okay. But um, I I do appreciate that slight like pause mm-hmm. <laughs> that comes when you're like, oh, you're like,
0: what's that? What is going good. on there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. whatever's happening. This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> I might not even know what it is. Yep.
0: Maybe I don't want to know. Don't really yeah. care.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's delicious. Yes. Yeah. I feel that.
0: Yep. Yep. That's great. Yeah. So, Gracie's. All right. You got to get up there. I do. Yeah. I do. Well, dude, thank you so much. This has been awesome. We'll, we'll slide over to Patreon and see what kind of nonsense we can get into.
2: <laughs> cool. Thank all you. All
0: right. all right, everybody. For Scott, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. There you have it, folks. Make sure you check out Scotty's Pizza Parlor online. Make sure if you're in Portland, you go and get yourself a pie from Scotty's Pizza Parlor. And if you want to hear more of this conversation, guess what? There is more. You just got to go to patreon.com slash tone mob. And for five bucks a month, you too will get extra bonus episodes beamed to your ears every single week. You'll help keep this thing going. You'll help support the show. And honestly, he'll get my undying gratitude. Thank you so much for everybody that has done that. I appreciate it immensely. Thank you to everyone who listens to this podcast, though. I know not everyone's in a position to be able to support monetarily. I appreciate that. I totally get it. But if you could do one thing for me, it doesn't cost you anything. If you could tell somebody about this podcast. This is the thing. I know I've asked for this a lot, but there is currently still no algorithm to push podcasts. It's all word of mouth. It's all up to you and myself. And that's really it. There is nobody else that's going to push this thing along. There is no easy way to discover these things. So please, share this with somebody. If You can share it on your social medias. Feel free to tag me. I would appreciate that. If you just want to tell somebody, though, just tell your friend. Tell anybody that you may, you know, think they'll listen to you for any reason whatsoever. I would really... Really appreciate that. Thank you all for everything. I've got a lot more coming your way. I've got a lot of content to make. I'm running around like a maniac trying to get more. I'm actually headed to a festival this week to try to get more interviews. We'll see if that happens or not. It's all still kind of up in the air as it always is when dealing with management. But yeah, lots of stuff coming. Thank you all for the support. I'll talk to you on the internet very soon. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you like our concerts on the Corner Series.
2: Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on the Corner of Gray Street.
1: Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those
2: scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.